0: I'll invite you to turn your Bibles with us to the three openings of Scripture: um, Matthew 17, Luke 17, and Mark 4. We may look at some others as well, but uh, but that'll get you started on where we're going to go this evening. I want to share with you something that that's so simple that that many people stumble over it. It's one of the basics, one of the foundations, uh, principles of faith, and it's uh it's, it's often overlooked. It, it seems to me that it's overlooked by the things that people say and the questions that they have. Um, so often people have questions about uh, receiving and how to receive and uh, why it's not working the way that they think that it ought to work and, and so forth. And, and usually it's because we're not applying the principles, the simple principles, the foundation principles that the Bible tells us concerning faith. Let's start in... Um, Luke chapter 17, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It says a lot of things to them. But I want to start in verse 1 and and read down through about verse 6. Then said he, Jesus, unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Might as well buckle up. Things are going to happen that offend you. But woe unto him through whom they come. In other words, we... Uh, you can count on the fact that offenses will come, opportunities will come to be offended, but you don't want to be the one doing the offending. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he should cast in the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day... And seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, the disciples' response to this is really interesting. Now, you may remember as well that in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 22, 23, and 24, Jesus explains the operation of faith. He's cursed the fig tree, and it's dried up overnight and withered away from the roots. And Jesus said, have faith in God, verse 23 of Mark 11, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Guarantee. Meet the conditions, and it is a guaranteed result. Jesus then tells us how faith works in prayer. Verse twenty-four: Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Notice it's not what things soever God desires for you. God can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. What things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them, meaning the things you desire, and you shall have them. Now, that's where we usually stop talking about the subject of faith, but verse 25 is connected to that. Jesus said in the 25th verse, and when you stand praying, forgive. And when you stand praying, forgive. Notice he's attaching forgiveness to the praying the prayer of faith. Now, why does he do that? Because unforgiveness is the number one hindrance that you're going to experience in your life to your faith not working. It's the number one reason, number one cause for faith not working in the heart or in the life of the believer. And if you when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught or anything against anyone, that your heavenly Father may forgive you also your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, then he won't forgive yours. So forgiveness is a key element to praying the prayer of faith. Well, Jesus here is talking about forgiveness, and he makes an astonishing statement to the disciples. He said, if your brother, that means somebody you care about. If your brother trespassed or sinned against you seven times in a day and asked for forgiveness seven times, forgive him. And the disciples, being human, just like you and I, respond with astonishment and say, they said, the Lord Apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now please recognize that they understood something that most Christians never get. And that is forgiveness Is a faith act, not a response to feelings. Their immediate response is, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. And then Jesus tells them something about the principle of faith that works for forgiveness, it works for any hindrance, it works for any obstacle that you run up on in your life. Jesus said, The Lord said, verse 6, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, I want you to do me a favor. I'm not recommending or or instructing you to do this. But strike the word mustard out of this verse. Because the point is not a mustard seed. The point is a seed. If you had faith as a grain of seed, you might say, this word might is the word would. Notice what he says. If you have faith as a seed, if you have faith as a seed, you would say, Now, what's the saying that he's talking about? What's he relating the saying to? Well, they just said, Lord, increase our faith. We're going to need more faith if we're going to forgive seven times in a day. Put that together with uh, the other gospel account. It's really seven times 70 in a day. And they recognize we're going to have to have something more than what we've got now if we're going to do that and live up to that. So Jesus said, here's how you live up to it. If you have faith as a seed, you would say. Say to what? Well, he's talking about speaking to unforgiveness, but it's the principle that applies to every obstacle and every hindrance. If you had faith as a seed, you would say unto this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should, literally would, obey you. Now, notice what he's saying. He's saying, here's how to get rid of hindrances. Here's how to get rid of hindrances. Here's how to get rid of the things that hold you back in life. well, unforgiveness will certainly hold your faith back from uh, hold you back and, and keep your faith from working, according to mark eleven twenty five Unforgiveness will keep you from walking in the blessings of God in a lot of ways, but that's not the only hindrance or obstacle we run up on in life, is it? Is it Is that the only thing you ever have to deal with is unforgiveness? What about when we're attacked with sickness? That's a hindrance, isn't it? It's a hindrance from walking in the divine health that Jesus purchased for us with his sacrifice. What about financial lack? That's a hindrance, isn't it? That hinders us and is an obstacle to walking in the blessing of abundance that Jesus paid a price for. Are there times when worries come against us to rob us of the peace of God? Well, sure. Sure. So there's any number of hindrances. We could stand here all night naming things, getting a list of things that would be included as hindrances or obstacles. And Jesus is talking about how to remove obstacles. Now, notice what he said. He said, if you have faith as a seed, if you have faith as a seed, you would say. If you have faith as a seed, you would say. Now, what he's saying is very simply this. If you have faith like or as a seed, You'll speak to the problem. You'll speak to the obstacle. You'll speak to the hindrance. Now I want you to look with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 17. Here's another example of Jesus talking about using your faith or talking about faith as a seed. I'm glad Jesus spoke in simple terms. He spoke in terms that everybody should be able to understand. However, I think sometimes because we are removed from planting and growing and living a a rural type of life like these folks did, I think sometimes the simplicity of it um, overtakes us and um, we miss miss the import of what he's saying. Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 14, when they were come to the multitude, they've just returned from the Mount of Transfiguration. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed; for oft times he falls into the fire, and oftentimes into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not." Everybody say "could not," and they could not cure him. That implies to me that they tried and failed. Now, if you take the time and go back just a few verses or a few chapters. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave them authority to heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Gave them authorities over devils. But it's not working. Notice the man says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Doesn't say they wouldn't. Doesn't say they didn't like the way I looked. They didn't think I was worthy. So they wouldn't help me. It says they could not. That means they were unable. Again, that implies to me that they tried and failed. How would they know that they couldn't if they hadn't already tried? Well, Jesus ministers to the man, cast the devil out of the little boy. Skip down with me to verse uh, 19. It said, then came the disciples to Jesus apart. That means after it was over privately and said, why could not we cast him out? Again, that tells me that they tried and failed. Now they're saying they couldn't. First, it was the father saying they couldn't do it. Now, these guys, the disciples, who had been given authority to to cast out devils and to heal every manner of sickness and disease among the people in the name of Jesus. Now, they're saying it didn't work. It didn't work. Now, this is especially um, applicable to me in my experience with people because so often people come to me and say, why didn't it work? Or why isn't it working? It's the same question the disciples said to Jesus. Why didn't it work? Now notice Jesus didn't say, well, this was especially a hard case. Some people think that's what he said, but it's not. Jesus answers the question. Here's why it didn't work. Very simple answer. Jesus said unto them, verse 20, because of your unbelief. Where'd they get that? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Jesus has already spoken to them in previous chapters, saying, I give unto you, he called the twelve and delivered unto them power to cast out devils, the ability to cast out devils, which would have covered this case, and to heal every manner of sickness and disease among the people. They're saying it doesn't work. Jesus gave them the faith that's necessary to work the thing, He gave them the faith that it was necessary to cast out this devil. He gave them the ability to heal sickness and disease. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Jesus told them this will work. And apparently they've worked it before. Because if they hadn't, or if they'd tried and failed before, if it hadn't been operational, it wouldn't have been a big surprise to them why they weren't able to do it. But they seem to be surprised. They want the answer. That implies to me that it's, it's happened before. It's, I mean, it's uh, the, the power to cast out devils and power to heal the sick has been working up to now. But there's a problem, a new problem, a unique situation here. And we need to know what's going on and how. And Jesus answers and says, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. They didn't get the unbelief from anything he said. So where did the unbelief come from? It came from something related to this incident. It came from something related to this incident. Had to. Had to. Now remember, faith is of the heart. That means faith is based on what the word of God says, not based on what you can see and feel. Believing with the heart is believing according to what God said. In this case, what Jesus told them, the power Jesus had delivered unto them, and not according to what they could see or feel. So something happened that they could see, Or something happened to affect their feelings that would qualify as the opposite or the counterpart to the faith that they received when Jesus said, I give you power to cast out devils and to heal sickness. That has to be true. You realize that, don't you? That has to be true. There's something about this situation, something about the circumstances that occurred that we probably don't have information about that caused them to have greater faith In their inability, then they had faith to operate in the power that Jesus had given them. That is what unbelief is. It's faith in the devil's power instead of faith in God's word. That's the only thing that could possibly be the case. Only possible answer. So Jesus said, because of your unbelief. In other words, they've been affected by something that caused something that they saw or something that they felt or some thought that came to their mind. It caused them to doubt God's word, which in this case would be to believe that they didn't have the power to, do, to work to, to bring the answer to the boy and the father. So Jesus answers. The question is, what happened? Why couldn't we make this work? And Jesus answers. says, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, stri- strike out grain of mustard seed. The point is, faith is a seed, not the size of the seed. If you have faith, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of seed or as a seed, you shall say, same word, shall means will or would. You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying faith is like a seed. Faith is like a seed. And when you have faith like a seed, you speak. When you have faith like a seed, you speak. Now, Jesus, as I said, used simple terms. They're becoming more and more foreign terms to us because we don't grow stuff much. We don't go in the backyard too much, and, and or some of us will plant flowers or plant Vegetables or something like that. But for the most part, our experience with growing things is whatever the landscapers are able to make happen in our yard. But growing things is something that is intended to be universally understood. For example, if we have a wheat seed or a grain of wheat, what are we going to do with that? What's the best use of that seed? Wouldn't make sense to try to ground it up in flour. Make biscuits because there's not enough. So what's the best use for that seed? Well, the obvious answer is to plant it, isn't it? The best use for a seed is to plant. And as a matter of fact, that's the purpose for a seed. Seed doesn't do you any good unless you plant it in the ground. So Jesus is saying that the way to plant seed... Plant the seed of faith is to speak. If you have faith as a grain of seed or as a seed, you will say or you will speak. First time he uses the sycamine tree, uproot the sycamine tree. Second time he uses a mountain. He, both times he uses different situations, different events, but he uses a similar principle, something that's bigger than the problem you can see. He says, "Faith will work on the biggest thing—the very biggest thing you can imagine, the very biggest obstacle that can present itself. Faith will work when it's planted. How do you plant it? You say. Faith is like a seed. Faith is like a seed. Doesn't do any good unless it's planted. How do you plant it? You speak. You say what you desire. You say what you desire." Now, if you go to the part of the country that grows crops for a living, Nebraska and Iowa and used to be Central California. But if you go to what the the, the country calls the breadbasket of the nation, you can go to the co-ops where the farmers gather. And you'll never find a secret society of farmers. You'll never find a secret organization that entry into guarantees that you'll have a crop because everybody knows how to grow crops. When it's your business, you learn more than the average person or the layman or or somebody that's that's not in the farming business, I'm sure. But even at that, you go to these co-ops and you don't have to ask the farmers whether or not they're going to plant seed. That's their job. That's what they do for a living. You don't have to ask them how deep they're going to plant. Because they know their business. As a matter of fact, they've got these big machines now that you just drive down the through the field and it does the poking the holes and dropping the seed in for you. It's all mechanized now. Or at least most of it is. Pre-measured out. to plant at just the right depth, depending on what kind of seed you're planting. You don't have to ask any of the farmers, are you going to water your crops this year? Because everybody knows that water is necessary for crops to grow. You don't have to ask anybody if the sun is necessary for their crops to produce this year. Because everybody knows the sun is necessary. But you go to these co-ops and you will find them talking about one thing. And it's the topic every year when they get together. And that is the quality of the seed. The quality of the seed. And if there's any such thing as a legendary farmer, it's somebody that's developed seed to an extremely high quality. One farmer's not better than another farmer because he waters better. One farmer's not better than another farmer because he gets more sun on his property. That's something that's beyond his control. That may be the case, but that's something beyond his control and it has no bearing on his ability or his skill as a farmer. One farmer is not better than another farmer because he plants at a different depth than the the other guy because everybody knows the depth to plant. Everybody knows when to plant. Everybody knows how to plant. There's one and only one difference between farms and farmers. That's the quality of the seed. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. The quality of the seed. Jesus said faith is like a seed. If you have faith as a seed. You'll plant it. Now certainly it's true for. Planting faith as it is. For planting any time. Any kind of crop that you want to receive. You want to grow. You're going to need to water it. You're going to need the sun to shine on it. You're going to need to protect it from pests. And disease. You're going to need to take care of it even after you plant it. But the quality of the seed determines the harvest you're going to get. Now, folks, you also need to realize there has never been a farmer that's ever planted without a desire for a crop. And he recognizes and he's putting his confidence in the fact that the quality of that seed will produce the desired result. And if he has any question about it whatsoever, he's going to go and spend everything that he has to get a better quality seed. I've got some friends that live in Iowa, in corn country. And every year, these big conglomerate farming corporations come in and try to entice the farmers to use their seed instead of somebody else's seed, year after year after year. And it's all a competition between the different farming companies, corporations, about who's got the best seed. They'll sometimes, you'll sometimes drive down the road and see somebody have a barn or a silo or something. that has got a big corporate name on it. And you can know that that farmer, with whatever acreage he's got, is using that company's seed and the company is advertising to the other farmers hoping that they'll see his crop and want to use this company's seed too. And they would go into these co-ops and try to buy out everybody. Now, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. It's just a matter of doing business and the way they do it. But there's a lot of incentives and that's what a lot of the, the genetic modification stuff is. They try to put the Pesticide inside the seed, so there's disease resistant and all that kind of stuff, and some of it's being found out not to be too healthy. But it's all about the seed. Everything is about the seed, and it's interesting that that's what Jesus used when he was talking about faith. He said, "If you have faith as a seed, you will say, you'll plant it. You'll plant it by speaking." Now, the the substance. Of everything that you desire is in the seed that brings about that result. Jesus said that faith as a a seed would remove every obstacle. Whether it's tree-sized, whether it's unforgiveness-sized, whether it's unbelief-sized, or even whether it's mountain-sized. Now, here's what that means. It means that if you want to grow an oak tree, you don't have to have an acre in the size of a house to to get it to, to grow. One acorn, normal-sized acorn, is enough to produce an oak tree. In other words, the substance of the oak tree is in the seed called the acorn. Now, If you took an acorn, everybody knows what size acorns are. If you took an acorn and held it in your hand, you wouldn't think that was an oak tree. But there's an oak tree inside of it. And if you went to somebody and said, Hey, did you know I've got an oak tree in my pocket? Pulled out an acre and they'd laugh and they say, oh, that's not really an oak tree. But it is. It has the capability. It has the substance to produce the biggest oak tree that's ever been known to man. Inside that one acre. That's what Jesus is saying about faith. If you have faith as a seed, plant it. Watch it grow into something that's bigger than anything you can imagine. Did you find Mark 4 yet? Mark chapter 4. Jesus uses the same example of growing. Verse 2, it says, And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. Notice this is Jesus' doctrine. Well, it should be okay for it to be our doctrine then. If Jesus taught on this kind of stuff, it ought to be good for us to teach on this stuff. He taught unto them in his doctrine. hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. What's a sower? Well, we'd say a sower is a farmer what's sowing planting if we were using a modern day translation of this it'd say behold a farmer went out to plant and it came to pass as he sowed or as he planted some fell by the wayside some what? some seed he's sowing seed some of the seed fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns drew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now what does that mean? It means Jesus is saying, I'm telling you something really important here. And it's up to you to listen. It's up to you to understand. It's up to you to to come to the realization of the principles of truth that I'm sharing with you. Now, what is he telling them? Well, he's just telling them a simple story. He said, when a farmer goes out to plant, if some of the seed falls by the wayside, off the edges of the good ground that's been prepared for, for harvest or for planting, If some falls by by the wayside, the fowls come, the birds of the air come and eat that up, and it doesn't produce anything. And some, if some of the seed falls in stony ground that's not been prepared and doesn't get water like the rest of the, the field does, then the sun will dry that up, and it won't produce anything. And others, other seeds... If it falls among thorns, and the thorns choke it out, maybe getting water, maybe getting the right amount of sun, but if the thorns choke it out, then it won't produce much either. Telling us the seed has to be cared for. But he said, if the seed falls in good ground, ground that's been prepared, ground that receives sun, receives water, is taken care of and, and, and protected from the thorns and disease and whatever else might get it, That seed will always produce. That seed will always produce. Simple story. Simple story. But the disciples want to know more about this. Notice a little bit further into the chapter. Well, the next verse, verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were with him, with the twelve, asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now put verse 9 together with verse 11. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear what? The mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying this is the secret. This is the secret for how everything in the kingdom of God works. It's like planting seed in the ground. Now, Jesus is the same one that said in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that if you have faith as a seed, you would say, To this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. He's the same one that said in Luke chapter 17 in verse six that if you have faith as a seed, you would say to this sycamine tree, be uprooted or plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. So when Jesus is using the example of a farmer planting seed in the ground, do you think he's talking about something different than what he was talking about in those two instances? Or is Jesus being consistent in his use of examples and parables? Well, if he's not being consistent, then he's going to confuse them, isn't he? If it means something different from time to time, then I'm confused. And he's not here to confuse us. He tells what the reason was that he gave them this parable and told them this story to begin with. He tells the disciples that in their, that their understanding or coming to understand what he means by this story is the secret to how the whole kingdom of God works. Now, let's stop and talk about that for a moment. What does he mean, the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God? Well, that means the mystery or the secret to receive or how everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus purchased for us through his sacrifice, how that works and how that can be received. For example, the Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. In other words, the kingdom of God includes Jesus dying for our sicknesses. So the mystery of the kingdom of God revealed in this story is the way to receive the healing that Jesus purchased for you. Jesus took our infirmities or took our uh, um, transgressions and our iniquities as well that we might be born again that's certainly a part of the kingdom of god so the principles of this story using your faith like a seed is the secret to receiving what jesus purchased for you as far as salvation is concerned bible says jesus was made poor for our sake on the cross the chastisement of our peace was upon him he was made poor for our sakes that we through his poverty might be made rich so provision and abundance is part of the kingdom of God. And the principles in this story are the secret to receiving the abundance that Jesus has already purchased for you. Now, folks, let me ask you a question. If God wants everybody to be saved, and he does, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If God wants everybody to be healed, and he does, that's why Jesus took upon himself stripes. And if God wants everybody in his family to be uh, provided abundance, which he does. Why didn't you just make that happen? Because the ground's not his. It's yours. You're going to see that part of what he talks about, well, it's not in this story. It's in another parable. But he tells another story about how an enemy comes in and sows tares among the wheat. It's enemies. It's an evil work to plant in somebody else's field. God doesn't plant in somebody else's field. But he tells you how to plant so that you can reap the harvest of all the blessings of the kingdom of God. So he says, unto you is, not, is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things may be done in parables. In other words, he wants you to dig for it. It's not something that's going to be sitting on the edge of the road for everybody to see it's going to be something that has to be spiritually understood. Verse 13, he said unto them, know ye not this parable? and how then will you know all the parables? In other words, he's saying the key to knowing the key to understanding all parables is to understand this one. There's something about this one because it unlocks the secrets of the mystery of the kingdom of God that will enable you to understand all the other parables Jesus spoke. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. Now, what's a sower? He's a farmer. What is sowing? Planting. The farmer plants the word. The farmer plants the word. So when Jesus said, if you have faith as a seed, what is he talking about is the seed? Well, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then the word of God is the seed. And he said, if you have faith as a seed, you will say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea and it'll obey you. He said, if you have faith as a seed, meaning the word of God is a seed, you'll say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and it'll obey. And Jesus said, first thing first, he said, this is the key to the secrets or to unlock the secrets, to unlock the mysteries of the way the whole kingdom of God works. Everything Jesus purchased for you. Now stop and think about how how opposite that is from the way most Christians operate. Most Christians have the idea that if God wants something for you, he's going to make it happen. And a lot of Christians will say, Pastor Mike, we don't understand. You preach healing for everybody. But if healing is for everybody, why am I not healed? When Jesus himself said, this principle is the secret to unlock the kingdom of God and all of the blessings and all the benefits, including healing. He didn't say because God loves you, you're automatically going to be healed. And that must be what a lot of Christians are looking for. A lot of Christians must be looking for God to show them that he loves them by doing something in their field so that they don't have to do anything for themselves. When the Bible says in many different places, Psalm 107 verse 20 is a good example, that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He didn't say because God loves you, he heals you. Because he loves you, he sent Jesus to do the work and pay the price. But the secret to unlocking the blessings of the kingdom of God, including healing, prosperity, salvation, and everything else, the key is for you to plant the word like a seed. How do you plant the word? Jesus said, "If you plant it, as a, if you have the word, have faith as a seed, you'll say. When the sower sows the word, he's speaking the word." speaking the word now let me prove that to you we won't go through the whole parable won't take the time to go through the whole parable but skip with me over to verse 26 jesus said this is after he explains the parables or the meaning of the parable and, and the specifics and the details and he said so is the kingdom of god here's what the kingdom of god is like it's like that parable that he's just explained to him. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Well, casting seed into the ground is planting, isn't it? How does Jesus tell us to plant? By speaking. He said, here's what the whole kingdom of God's like. Here's how to reap the benefits of the, every blessing that Jesus purchased for you on the cross. The whole, and that would, that would uh, be the, the simple definition of what the kingdom of God is. It's everything Jesus provided for us through his sacrifice. His death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus is saying, here's what the whole kingdom of God is like. It's like a man planting seed into the ground. It's like a man speaking the word of God into his heart. That's what the ground is, isn't it? In the ground, your your heart or your life. Here's what the whole kingdom of God is like. The whole kingdom of God is like a man speaking the word of God into his own heart. See, here's the reality, folks. I can speak the word to you. I can tell you what the Bible means. I can relate different scriptures to you and tell you different stories, and that will create a certain measure of faith in you. I can tell you stories about what God has done for other people, and that will create a certain level of faith or a measure of faith in you to believe that God can do the impossible or God can do great and miraculous things. But you listen to you more than you listen to me. So the thing that's going to have the greatest impact on your heart or your life, which is the ground that he's talking about, the thing that's going to have the greatest impact on your heart or your life is you hearing you say what God's word says. In other words, you planning the word of God for yourself by speaking. Now we know this is true. Think of all the things that we think about ourselves that are not true as far as other people are concerned. We can receive five compliments on what we're wearing. Oh, you look so good in that. And what do people do? They'll answer and say, oh, I think I look fat in this. Well, you just had five people tell you you look good and you think you look fat. Which is true. You believe you more than you believe them. I've never known anybody to say, oh, well, praise the Lord. Some five people told me I look good in this. I'm going to forget that diet that I was going on. Because we believe ourselves. We believe what we say to ourselves more than anybody else. That's why God set it up for you to plant in your own ground. For you to plant into your own life by speaking the word. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed or literally speak the word into his own heart. Now notice what it says in verse 27. And should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow. He knoweth not how. He knoweth not how. Notice what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you don't have to know how faith works for it to work. You don't need to know how the word of God is going to produce healing for it to produce healing. And that's the very thing that causes some people to turn loose. The very thing that causes some people to turn loose. They say, "Well, I just don't know how it's going to work." Well, thank God you don't have to. You have a Pastor Mike. You don't know what the doctor said. Let me tell you his latest diagnosis. I don't know how the word's going to overcome that. Well, thank God we don't have to know how. Jesus knew where you're coming from. He covered all the bases. Let me go through these t- different types of ground real quick. I'm going to cover this in lightning fast. The sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, not everybody that hears the word would accept it and plant it. Don't be like them. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, which when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root. This is literally the word moisture, in themselves, that means they don't continue to water it. And afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. In other words, they don't keep watering the word. Now, how do you plant the word? By speaking it. How do you water the word? By speaking it. The first time you say it is planting, every time you say it from that point on is watering. In other words, Jesus is saying, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying, some people will hear the word and won't do anything with it at all. That's the wayside. Some people will hear the word and they'll say, man, that sounds great. I'm going to start saying the word. And they do. But then something, some circumstance, some problem comes up. And they're offended. They say, well, I guess it's not working. And so they quit watering the word. Now, have you ever known any farmer to grow a crop without water? Can't be done. You have to continue to water the seed. How do you water the seed? The same way you plant the seed, and that is by speaking what God's word says. Third type he talks about, these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, he says, some people get distracted. They start off, they speak the word. They may even start watering the word, but they get distracted. They get distracted by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things. So what happens? Those distractions, those cares of this world chokes out the word. In other words, they say the things of the world, they say the things that they think, the things that they see, and the things that they feel as much as or more than they're speaking the word and because seed produces whether it's good seed or bad seed it chokes out the good seed of the word and it doesn't produce let me give you an example of that some people bless their hearts some people have the attitude that you know those people that go around talking to their problems I I just don't get it I just don't understand them at all I, I think they're kind of crazy But they're the very same people that will say, well, you know, flu season's coming along and I get the flu every year. Do they have the flu when they say it? No. Do they believe they're going to get the flu? Yes. So what are they doing? They're calling things that be not as though they are. In other words, they're using faith as a seed, but the seed is containing the things that they fear. The seed contains the power of the seed, Or the substance of the seed that they're planting with the words of their mouth and watering with the words of their mouth are contrary to what God said Jesus purchased for you. But seed will produce whether it's good seed or bad seed. That's why farmers focus so much on the quality of the seed. People like that will say, well, you know, our company is going through a downturn. They'll start laying off pretty soon. I bet I'll be the first one to go. Well, have they lost their job when they're saying it? No. What are they doing? They're speaking a job loss into existence. They're planting the bad seed of being unemployed. What's going to happen? Well, Jesus said, you'll have what you say. They will be unemployed. If they keep watering it, keep saying it, keep thinking about it, it'll come to pass. Your words will come to pass. The only question is, what words are you going to speak? What kind of seed are you going to plant? Or is it going to be seed that's in line with God's word? That agrees with what the Bible says Jesus purchased for you? That brings about the results of the kingdom of God? Or are you going to bring about the results of the devil and the curse of the law? It's up to you. Everybody plants. Everybody speaks. The only question is, what seed are you planting? Finally, Jesus said about the fourth type of ground. He said, these are they which are sown among good ground. Such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And I like the Luke's translation uh, or Luke's um, account of this, the way he words this. Instead of receive it, he says, keeps it. I like that. Such as hear the word and keeps it. Now, how do you hear the word and keep it? Well, you plant it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If you have faith as a seed, you'll say to whatever the situation is, whatever the problem is, whatever the circumstance is. You'll speak to the situation. So if it's healing, you'll say, Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and with his stripes I'm healed. You water that seed by continuing to say it. Now, the devil's going to try to bring pain to your body or stories that somebody else had what you had and they died. Maybe well-meaning Christians will tell you you can't trust that faith stuff. Just be careful. Use wisdom. Have you ever noticed that most Christians think using wisdom means to speak doubt? Yeah, let's say what the devil would say in this situation and use wisdom. For goodness sakes, don't confess the word. So you're going to have to guard it. You're going to have to keep it. You're going to have to keep out the weeds. You're going to have to guard against the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things by continuing to water the word by speaking what God's word says about healing, assuming that's what we desire. Jesus said there was the substance, sufficient substance in the seed of God's word, healing scriptures to bring about healing, no matter what the case was. No matter how long you've been sick, no matter how seriously you may be ill, no matter what the doctor said the the diagnosis is or the prognosis would be, Jesus said that faith will produce, and you don't even have to know how. Just keep speaking the word. Speak it before you go to bed. Speak it when you wake up. Speak it when you're going through your day. Speak it before you go to bed. Speak it when you wake up. Speak it when you're going through your day. Speak it before you go to bed. Speak it when you wake up. Speak it throughout the, throughout the day. Have ever how many days it takes. Jesus said that the word would produce. And you don't even have to know how. I take great comfort in that because there's a lot of things I don't know how it's going to work. But Jesus covered my case. He said, you don't even have to know how. In other words, faith will work for dummies. I qualify for that. You understand what he's saying, don't you? This is, These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it or keep it, and bring forth fruit. It will produce. It will produce a harvest. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Notice over in verse 30. It says, "Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God like? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. Strike grain of mustard. The kingdom of God is like a seed. Which when it is sown as the earth, in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Doesn't matter what size it is worrying about it or thinking about faith in size. Jesus never talked about faith in terms of size. He said, no matter how small your faith may seem to be or how small the devil tells you your faith is, faith, when planted and cared for, always produces results. But when it is sown, planted, spoken, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. I don't know how big a mustard seed is. I've always heard stories that it's a real small thing. But I like the example of an acorn in an oak tree. Because I grew up in the South, and we had oak trees. Man, you could climb those oak trees. You could get up high enough in an oak tree to where you got dizzy. You could build tree houses in oak trees. There's enough room to, to have two or three tree houses in many of them. Plenty of room to live up there. And it all came from one acorn. Every oak tree comes from an acorn. Now, you wouldn't take that acorn and look at it and say, someday this is going to be bigger than I can imagine. But that's exactly what it is. If it's just planted in the ground and kept and allowed to grow, Jesus said, if you have faith as a seed, you will say. How long are we going to have to say it, Pastor Mike? Well, I tell you, you don't need to anymore. The, the substance of what you desire, the healing that you desire is manifest. It's already a reality, but it's just an unseen reality. But there'll come a point in time where it's a, be a physical reality. It won't be any more real then than it is now. It'll just be able to be seen. Folks, the power is in the seed. Remember what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter eleven? It says, we understand that the whole world was framed by the word of God. In other words, there was enough seed, enough power in the seed of God's word when he spoke the world into existence to produce everything that you see. Everything that you see. No wonder Jesus said, talking about the operation of faith, nothing is impossible to him that believes. Why? Because there's unlimited power in the seed. Unlimited power in the seed. Look with me to uh, Mark chapter 11. Let me close with this. Look with me to Mark chapter 11. I want you to to see this and, and leave you with this thought. These are verses that we already quoted. But I want you to notice in verse 23, Jesus talking about this thing called faith. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... He's talking about planting the word as a seed. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea... "...and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart." Now, what is it you're supposed to believe in your heart? Believing in the heart means, again, let me give you this definition. Believing in the heart means to believe independently of what you can see and feel. Believing in the heart means to believe according to God's Word and not according to what your circumstances say. Believing in the heart means to accept God's Word as truth No matter what's going on around you, no matter what thoughts come to your mind, no matter what you see, and no matter how you feel about it. That's what believing in the heart is. It's holding fast to what God's word says because God said it. It's honoring God by believing he told the truth. That's what believing in the heart is. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart. Now, what are you supposed to believe in your heart? That those things which you say shall come to pass, then you shall have whatsoever you say. Now notice part of the, the operation of faith is to believe in the power of your words. This is what trips some people up. Because they know themselves. They know they're not the most trustworthy person in the world. They know that what they say they don't always hold fast to. So how is it that we as frail, human, flawed human beings are to believe in our own words? Brother Hagin used to call it having faith in your faith. He's right, and there's certainly an element of truth there, but I'd like to say it a different way. I'm not so interested in having faith in my faith. I have faith in the quality of the seed. I have faith in the quality of the seed. See, I believe my words come to pass not because it's me that's saying them. And that's what the devil always try to attack you on. Well, who do you think you are? Well, who I think I am doesn't matter because this is not about who I think I am. This is about the quality of the seed that's planted. And the quality of the seed that's planted is the word of God that can never change. The incorruptible seed of God's word the unchanging seed of God's word that has power inherent in it to do the impossible. To me, that's what Mark eleven twenty three means. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, plant the seed of God's word by saying to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Don't let anything keep you from watering that seed by saying it over and over again. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. You keep watering the seed. God takes care of the sunshine part. Your part is the watering. And believe. That what you say. Because of the quality of the seed. Shall come to pass. It will come to pass. You'll have whatsoever you say. You'll have whatsoever say. Folks whether you realize it or not. You're imitating God when you operate in faith. You're calling things that be not as though they were. When you speak healing into your body. In the face of sickness and disease. You're calling healing into existence. That does not exist physically at this point in time. And that honors God. Jesus said it works every time. No matter how impossible it seems. No matter what the doctor said. Faith will work every time. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have to walk by faith. Father, because faith is as a seed, your word is a seed, we speak to our bodies. And we say to our bodies, say this after me, body, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sickness. And with his stripes, I am healed. I plant the seed of God's word, the seed of God's word concerning healing, expecting the result of divine health. I declare that sickness is leaving my body according to the word of God. I believe there's power in God's word to make that real. And so I say it with my mouth because I believe it in my heart and I will continue to water the seed and I will reap the harvest of health in Jesus' name. Amen. And no matter what your carnal mind may tell you about that, Jesus said that that will work every time if you stick with it. He never promised you overnight. Matter of fact, He said... It'll work whether you know how it works or not. If you sleep and rise day and night, it may take a number of days. I don't know how long it's going to take, but if you stay with it, there's not enough power in the the devil's arsenal to keep it from working because of the quality of God's Word, the seed of God's Word. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.